0: Hi I'm Randy Simmons. Today we're going to talk about public choice and the environment because public choice analysis does help us understand why we have the policies we have and how we might actually get better ones. We'll start with the most effective article probably ever written about the environment. It was written by a biologist named Garrett Hardin and uh, Hardin was concerned about overpopulation and in some in most ways his, his that part of his argument has been quite readily refuted, but the core of his analysis is pretty powerful. He says much of the world is treated as a commons, and by a commons he means property that's owned by everyone, and he uses the analogy of a common pasture, so you have a bunch of people who own who are allowed to use a common pasture, and for some reason, I get an extra cow. Now, if the pasture is at carrying capacity, that is, it has all the cows that it can handle and still be able to uh, regenerate, you would think, what am I? What's Randy going to do with the extra cow? It's going to start destroying the, uh, the the pasture. But think about it this way too: I get all the benefits of the extra cow. She causes a tiny cost and that tiny cost is spread among everyone. The problem is if everybody thinks like I think, then as they get extra cows they're going to add more and more cows to the pasture and the pasture gets destroyed and Hardin said that the tragedy is not just that the pasture is destroyed, the tragedy is that people pursuing their self-interest can destroy things. That sounds like an argument against markets. It's not. It's just an argument saying that when you have a commons, you have to figure out what's the best way to manage it. And managing a commons is actually possible. There are uh, government policies that that, that seem to do pretty well, and there are others that don't do nearly as well. So there are three basic kinds of policies that get proposed to solve a commons problem. The first is just direct regulation. Congress tells regulators, make some rules <laughs> and the regulators make rules and they get imposed on an industry one of the best examples is uh, of that is coal fired electricity plants in the united states uh, in the uh, late 70s and 1980s they produced a lot of smoke a lot of pollution in large part because they were burning coal that was mined in West Virginia. And the West Virginia coal is soft and doesn't burn very well and produces a lot of smoke. So some of the plant owners said, well, we can clean things up if if we can just bring some coal from Montana because Montana coal is really hard and burns much cleaner. And they could meet the requirements that the regulators were saying they had to meet if they were able to bring in coal. So we got the first amendments to the Clean Air Act coming, and there was a proposal to allow people to burn coal, the clean coal, as opposed to, to regulate what's on the, on the stacks. The miners in West Virginia saw that their jobs would disappear. Politicians in West Virginia saw a way to uh, generate votes for themselves. So they worked hard, and so that these Clean Air Act amendments required scrubbers on the stacks fine mist that's sprayed in and and catches a lot of the the, uh, the pollutants. And so everybody had to put on a stack, put a, a scrubber on the stack if they built a new plant as opposed to the old plants. So what we ended up with is dirtier air, but lots of votes and protecting jobs in the coal fields of West Virginia. Now, it, did, it turns out that there are other ways to do that. A famous economist Pigou uh, proposed a tax. He said we can get pollution controlled if we just tax the producers. A high, if you raise the tax, they'll they'll find ways to reduce the production of of their pollutants. And so that's what he proposed, and a lot of people propose that. Uh, as a, as a way of reducing pollution and being much more, it, it actually is much more effective than the direct regulation because it allows people to say, "Oh, I'm going to be taxed. So how how might I change my uh, the amount of pollution that I'm creating?" And you'll get different results from different people and much more creativity. There's even a better way than a Pigouvian tax, and that is to fall is to identify ways that markets can actually work. Create property rights uh, actually to pollution and then let people trade. Uh, this is a, These kinds of ideas were proposed by an economist named Ronald Coase and uh, Ronald Coase said let's think more broadly, let's just, let's, if we can create property rights then people will be able to trade and you say property rights to dirty air how can that happen well that did happen in the united states with the next round of amendments to the uh clean air act so i think the amendments of 1999 and they allowed people they they put a cap on the amount of pollution that could be created and and in and they created these sort of airshed areas like it's as if there were a dome over a particular reason region and you could and, and so, if if I have a, a, if the cap is lower than the amount of pollution that I'm that I'm producing, I have to find somebody else who's got some pollution credits to sell me. And so there, a, a, a fantastic market developed. The uh, the EPA and industries thought that it would co- start co- costing like over, as much as two thousand dollars a ton to reduce those pollutants, and after that market started to work prices dropped clear down into the like $700 a a, a ton and it was just much more effective so you can regulate with all the problems of regulation you can tax with all the problems of figuring out what's the right tax or you can create ways for markets to work and creating ways for markets to work is in general far more effective allows for a whole bunch more creativity and the environment ends up better off.